Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, uh, no matter where you are in the world. And welcome to The Intuitive Customer, um, Ryan. So what, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about substitution heuristics. We've talked about a couple of specific heuristics. We'll talk about more in these conversations because it's, it's just an important part of understanding human decision-making. Uh, but today I wanted to, to back up a little bit and talk about an entire class of heuristics. Um, so, so this was a, an idea that I was exposed to when I was in graduate school, and it really helped me understand um, how heuristics come about and some of the heuristics that people use. Uh, the, the big idea here is, um, is substitution. So a lot of times we're faced with a decision that's difficult or a judgment that's difficult, and um, we often, without even realizing we're doing it, we substitute in an easier problem that we could solve. Uh, and we solve that one instead and then use the answer to that solution to help guide our decision. So that, that was very abstract. So let me give you an example. Um, this example comes from politics. I'm always very cautious about using political examples because that tends to light the world on fire if you don't do it carefully. But this is a nonpartisan um, political example. I've heard I've heard lots of people say that in the past and then go on to make a, a, a political point. Yeah, well, um, I'm not above doing that either. But uh, in this case, I think we're safe. I think we're okay. okay. Um, so in in liberal democracies, we um, we, the citizens, have some say in, in electing representatives and, you know, uh, electing uh, prime ministers or electing uh, presidents. That is objectively a really hard decision to make, or it should be, a really hard judgment to make. You are judging this person that you don't know personally um, based on incomplete and, and slanted information from multiple sources and multiple sides, and you're trying to project a bunch of skills that you don't have um, onto this person. How well will they handle the economy? Well, how well do I understand the economy? How well will this person handle um, foreign affairs? You know, something I don't even understand very well. That's really hard. And so instead, what you find is that people tend to substitute in an easier question. They don't answer the question, how well will this person lead the country? Because that's really hard to answer. Instead, you find, and polling bears this out, you tend to find that people answer an easier question like, how much do I like this person? How much right. do I trust this person? Right. Um, and so, so questions and, on polls like, um, which candidate would I rather have a beer with? Or which one would I rather have over to my house for dinner? That tends to predict the winner uh, in most elections. Um, and, and this applies beyond politics, beyond um, person perception. Um, this applies to all kinds of things. You know, if, if you're trying to determine how reliable a car is going to be, yeah, that's a really hard judgment to make. It requires a lot of data, a lot of research. Or you can just substitute in an easier question, which is, you know, what's the reputation for reliability? Or how easy is it for me to come up with examples of a car that's broken down by this brain? So, so let me, let me, let me ask a question or pose a thought then. Yeah. Um, we talked about the halo effect. Yep. So I presume this is where the halo effect comes in then, because 
if you like someone, it's that halo of I like this someone, so therefore I'm supporting. Supporting. Very good. Yeah. Um, so the halo effect would be one example of a substitution okay. heuristic. Yeah? Right. Uh, you don't know how well this person's going to do on this particular task, but you like them. And so you substitute in that judgment. Uh, that particular type of judgment is sometimes called the affect heuristic, where it's right. just effectively, how much do I like this thing or like this person? And if you like it, then you tend to judge it as being more likely to happen um, or or going to, to perform better. Uh, so you so, answer this easier question of how much do I like it instead of the harder question. So does that, would that, so I like Apple. Yep. Okay. Uh, so if Apple was to produce a car, yep, I would be going. Well, I need a new car. I like Apple, therefore I'm going to buy the Apple car. I've got no evidence to say that they're any good at buying the Apple or, or producing the car, but I like them as a brand and what they do and blah 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 blah. So that's why I'm going. No, Apple Watch casually came into frame as he was talking about Apple. Apple Watch. Real subtle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that would be a great example, right? I mean, the question of how well will this car perform as a car, that's hard. The question is, do I love Apple? That's easy. And so we, we find this kind of substitution. Uh, let me give you my, my favorite example, my favorite study that, that um, I think fits under this umbrella of substitution year six. Um, and then we can talk more about kind of how people can apply this. So in this study, it was run by um, some people out of MIT. They stopped people coming out of a science museum and asked them to take a survey. And they, um, they, uh, part of the survey said, imagine it started to rain and you need to buy a poncho. And lucky for you, there's a poncho vendor right there, as, you know, happens sometimes, right? So, uh, poncho vendor is selling three lengths. Was it an apple poncho? That's a follow-up study that you and I need to run. Uh, the Apple poncho would actually have a cutout on the shoulder so you can show your Apple tattoo. It'd get wet. Dota would get wet, so it's worth it because it's Apple. Totally worth it. Um, So there are three lengths of poncho, um, and I may be misremembering the exact uh, lengths, but it's something like 42 inches, 40 inches, and 38 inches, something like that. And later in the survey, they asked people how tall they were. And won't surprise you to learn, tall people chose the longest poncho available. Short people chose the shortest poncho available. Medium-sized people chose the middle. So far, so good. A different group of people, same scenario, same setting. They were, though, given three different lengths of poncho. So this one went from 36 inches up to 40 inches. Same thing. Short people chose the short one. Tall people chose the tall one. And then again... For three different lengths of poncho, this one running from, uh, whatever, 32 up to 38, and then again, and then again. It didn't matter what the actual lengths of the poncho were. Short people chose the shortest one available. Tall people chose the tallest one available. Now, what people don't know is the, uh, well, let me ask you, what, what is the average length of a poncho? Yeah, why would anybody know that? Nobody knows that, right? It turns out it's 50 to 52 inches long. So these were all comically short ponchos. These were like mini skirt ponchos. They, they wouldn't actually keep you drunk. But because people don't know that, they weren't able to answer the hard question, which is, which length of poncho should I get to cover myself up? They didn't have all the information they needed. So instead, 
they answered the easier question, which was, how tall am I relative to other people? Yeah. And based on that, they chose their poncho length. I think a similar thing happens when we buy our phones and we try to decide whether we want to get the um, the smallest amount of memory available, so whatever it is now, 8 gigs versus 12 sure. gigs, 16 gigs. The way to answer that question properly is to figure out how many pictures do you take per day, how many of those do you keep, what's the size of that, how many video files. Nobody does that. Instead, we use this substitution heuristic, which is how much data do I think I store on my phone relative to the average person? Sure. Uh, Colin is, is a new grandfather. He knows he's going to be snapping a ridiculous amount of pictures and saving every single one of them. And so when he goes to buy his next Apple phone, he's going to go for the largest amount of memory available because he knows that relative to average person, he's going to take and store a lot of pictures. Can I just, how yeah. do you not have an Apple phone? <laughs> <laughs> security cameras I've planted around. <laughs> I do my due diligence when I work with somebody else. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. So I remember being in the store and going, what should I get? What size of thing, you know, what size of memory should I get? What storage should I get? And you start getting into some ridiculous things like, well, I don't know how much storage the software takes and how many apps I've got. And there's so many bloody variables that you just go, that's a ridiculous question. Um, I, I was thinking about a couple of times, a couple of uh, conversations that we had ago where we were talking about um, the extremes. Yeah. And I was saying that, so if you haven't uh, heard the, the one on uh, extremes, then you need to listen extremes to that version. Yep. Yeah, the like version, which is going, you don't pick the cheapest, you don't pick the, the highest, you pick the one that's in the middle. Right? But I was just thinking my example there, I would go in, nah, I'm just always going to get the biggest one yep. because I hate running out of storage space because I've done that in the past and that's a pain in the neck. I'm just going to buy the biggest one. So that's not extremeness, is it? Because yeah. that's extreme. would be picking, I am picking an extreme. Yep. But I am using the heuristic, which is yep. a rule of thumb, which says I'm just going to pick the biggest one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So to your earlier point, what makes this complicated is that no particular theory that we will talk about applies to everyone all the time. These theories bump sure. up against each other, and you need to figure out which theory applies in this specific situation. Is it theory A or is it theory B? So extremeness aversion, it's true. It's usually People usually tend to avoid extremeness. Um, on the other hand, people also apply these heuristics. And so if Colin's heuristic is... Um, I, I know that I am at the high end of the distribution in terms of data storage, um, then it, within a really broad latitude of, of actual amounts of data storage that they offer you, you're going to take the highest one, not knowing how much you actually need. So yeah. Yeah. I think that there are lots of judgments like this that we foist on our customers um, and that, that they're not prepared to answer. So 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 let let me put my practical hat on again. Yeah. And and go 
So if if it's not the question, which you know, so if you're looking for the substitute question, yep. How do you how do you find that substitute question? Very how good. Do you find the killer question. Yeah, that's a, that's the big takeaway from this, right? You you shouldn't assume that people are answering the questions you're asking or answering the questions that they objectively need to. You need to figure out what are those substitute questions. Um, obviously, the best way to do it is to go out and ask them, right? To to do some good research and figure out, you know, um, what are what are the ways that people are actually making these judgments on the ground. If you don't have time or money to do that kind of proper market research, um, you need to do your best to get into the head of your customer um, to make that judgment. So assuming that you can't make this in the proper way, what is the most likely way? So, you know, we talk a lot about customer experience. Um, customer experience should be driven by an assessment of kind of all the factors that go on in the, in the um, experience. A lot of times, though, people will use these easy heuristics. I, I once... Um, uh, knew somebody who didn't like a service provider. Um, and so I was talking to this person about, about why, why that was and why they didn't like this particular, this particular person in this organization. And, um, and the answer they gave me was not about kind of the, the content that was delivered by this person or the manner that, that, that was delivered. Um, when, and, and I'm trying to, to tell the story without giving away too many specifics here, but that, when, when this service provider came into the room to be introduced to all of the clients, she introduced herself to someone from her own organization, um, thinking that, that that person was one of the clients. Um, now, objectively, this was not a terrible thing, that the other person was kind of a new hire. Um, they worked in different departments. Like, it's not that big a deal. She was just being friendly. But the client saw that. And that became this heuristic of this person doesn't know what she's doing. Right. And right. that colored all the other uh, judgments that they, that they made. Um, right. Was it fair? No, <laughs> not at all. But that was the, the substitution that they used. Um, right. This person doesn't even know that. Then I don't need to judge them on these other dimensions. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. Have we ever talked about, have I ever told you about the magic question? Uh, yeah, we've talked about that briefly, but go ahead and... Why yeah, so, because I'm wondering whether that applies in this situation, because I think it may do. I think it can, um, yeah. So the magic question is, um, the best example I heard of this was they were trying to find out which dog pet owners, dog owners, would buy premium dog food, okay? So, you know, you go through all the usual stuff of going, well, is it to do with demographics? Is it to do with age is it to do with income you know and all those things and i'm sure some of those things will will put an indication but the 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 golden question ended up being do you buy your dog a present on their birthday oh that's fantastic and and if you do buy your dog a present on their birthday 
then those people tend to buy premium-based dog food. Yep. So if you ask that question, you can really target. So I guess that's the substitute question, isn't it? Well, I would say that that's a good um, measure of that. My guess would be the substitute question they're asking themselves is, how much do I love my dog? Yeah. Right? They're standing in front of all these um, dog foods, and they should be making their decision based on the nutritional content and based on kind of the, the needs of the dog. And instead, I, I would guess that the, what the question they're really asking is, how much do I care about my dog and my dog's health? Well, then I'm, I should buy the most expensive thing available because that's how much I love my dog. You, you see a lot of people making decisions like this in um, funerals, right? When they're preparing, you have to, you have all these choices of caskets and of arrangements and things. And people are not making those decisions based on, you know, the, the, the actual utility needs of sure. those products. It's a, it's, it's a, a decision based on how much you care for this person and how much you want to express that care for this person. Yeah. Um, they're substituting in a different question. But there's obviously so much that goes into that, isn't there? In, in both of those examples that you gave, you may, I guess the problem is, is in the measurement of it. Again, I'm just trying to be practical yeah. now. Um, so if I'm asking, if let's talk about dogs because they're much better than talking about funerals. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, if I'm if I'm saying how much do I love my dog, I may love my dog a lot, or say that I do. But am I? Do I have the disposable income sure. to be able to buy that? Sure. Well, I mean, I I like the gift question because I think it's a really clear way of getting at that. Um, yeah. Do I love my dog, and can I afford to express that? Love. I mean, you're absolutely right. You could love your dog more than anything in the world, but if you, you realize that if you buy the premium dog food, you, you can't afford rent, um, that's obviously a constraint. Um, but, but I think it's still that driven by that same substitution. So isn't this then, Ryan, where it, I, I'm thinking sort of you get um, these different sort of theories layering or uh, not layering, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Coming in after each other. So in other words, I do love my dog. It's a substitution sort of thing. But now, uh, I, now another, so I've made the decision there, but now another psychological theory comes into play and then that happens and then I, then another psychological theory comes in to, to play. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. And it becomes a sort of, it's not just one thing. It ends up being two or three things that influence what you finally end up doing. Is that, would you say that's right? Yeah. I mean, one way of, of thinking about it. So I, I was recently explaining this very idea to a group of, of um, marketing executives. Uh, and the way I, I did it is I, I drew this picture um, that ha- had all of these kind of intersecting boundaries, these these borders on it, so it looked kind of like a puzzle. And then each of those was a different theory. And so you need to kind of figure out um, which theory is most applicable. So um, if the person, you know, makes their decision based on uh, substituting in this question of how much do I love my dog, but they just they don't have any disposable income, then, you know, that constraint is going to bound the usefulness of that theory. 
and you're they're going to be making their decision instead based on financial concerns. So some of those boundaries, I mean, I was just thinking again, they also could be sort of like ethical boundaries, i.e. Oh, wow. this dog food has palm oil, palm oil in. So, Absolutely. yes, I would buy this premium dog food, but it has palm oil in, so ethically that's not the right thing for me to, environmentally that's not the right thing for me to do, so I'm not going to do that. So, again, I guess it's segmentation. And coming into the sweet spot, isn't it? Because actually maybe this comes back into sort of big data and stuff. So if you then turn around and saying, well, this is Colin. He loves his dog, but he's an environmentalist and he's blah, 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 blah. So now I've got this segment of people that I can effectively target, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, the... It's easy to get excited about some of these theories when you first hear, hear them. I certainly do. Um, but yeah, there's, there should always be that word of caution of recognizing all these theories have boundaries, right? Yeah. Um, and so the idea is to, um, and that's why we're, we're kind of exploring lots of different angles across these podcasts, um, lots of different approaches. Uh, the, the goal is to find the theory or group of theories that's going to be the most powerful predictors in your specific settings for your specific customers. Um, and I think that's the key for me, having well, from what I've learned of learning on this stuff over the last few years, is you've got to pick out the ones, it's the 80-20 rule, yep. which the 80 percent of the theories that I'm actually going to take some notice of that's, you know, you know or the 20 percent of theories that's going to give me 80 percent of my, my results. Um, yeah. Because you can end up tying yourself in, up in bloody knots if you're oh, not careful. For sure. Yeah. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to look at my Apple Watch, and <laughs> it tells very accurate these Apple Watches. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it, it, tells me it's, um, it tells me, actually, it's um, the time in New York, which is not very good because I'm in London. Um, but um, the, um, So it's time for us to stop. So, um, so thank you very much, Ryan, again. It's been um, a pleasure. If you've got any thoughts as to what you'd like to hear about, then just ping us um, outside. Go to the Beyond Philosophy website um, and just ping us and let us know what you'd like us to talk about because we yeah. can sit here and talk about anything. In fact, once we go off camera, we need to start talking about the conversation we were having at the very beginning, which was... Uh, septic systems. I've, I've got somebody in my backyard with a... Back out right now. So, you want us to talk about septic systems next time? Too. I know far more about septic systems than I ever wanted to know. Um, so we can talk about that too—the psychology of septic systems. Get get the computer and take it outside with the Wi-Fi, and we can start showing us all about the septic systems. It's terrifying. Uh, we get, we have a great contractor; he's doing a fantastic job. But uh, my backyard looks like a, a BMX racetrack right now. It's just piles of dirt everywhere. Lovely. Good. Fine. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for your time. Okay. See you. Bye. 
This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.